Evening, Boiler Nation. Happy uh, happy Wednesday evening on this April 27th. Beautiful night in southern Indiana. It could have been a little bit warmer, uh, but at this point in the season, we'll take uh, we'll take what we can get uh, in this delayed spring. So, um, I'm gonna give it a minute here. Let the co-hosts get on. This is Habitual Boiler on uh, behalf of Boiler Up Beer Down Podcast. Um, uh, and let uh, let's see if we get any listeners tonight. So, Gabby Riles, you guys on? Yep, I'm here. What's up, Gabby? What's up? It's cold here in Central Indiana. Is it? Yeah. I'm ready for spring. <laughs> I'm ready for spring to actually hit. I don't know if we're going to get much of a spring or if it's just going to go straight into summer. Riles, okay. can you hear us, dude? Riles went to a listener. <laughs> I'm trying to get him on here. So this is our this is our first official live that we've not done after. Um, yeah, I don't know. Right after a game, it stopped me as a co-host for some reason, but now it should be good. You're on. You sound fine, dude. I do not feel fine. I'll say that much. You take a few shots or what? No, I've had. <laughs> I think I have a sinus infection or something, but I feel like, yeah, it sucks. It's well, thanks, weather. Thanks for coming. It's the, I don't do well with weather changes, and we had, it was 75. So what's it like in Iowa? It was 75 here on Saturday and 42 on Sunday. And now it's like 60. So, I don't do that weird changes. You need to hit some bourbon, dude. We can, we can wait. You want you want us to pause this that's, for a second? That, that's our uh, cure all to everything. Start drinking. <laughs> well, I can tell immediately that uh, usually after games, like right off the bat, we have like maybe two hundred listeners, and then it balloons up to four four hundred to six hundred <laughs> listeners. I can say um, pretty confidently that uh we may not get there tonight because everybody's kind of overproduced sports at this point and just needs their off season well anybody that wants to chime in and talk please talk uh especially girls come in talk please with me (laughs) so i'm not the only one (laughs) let's go let's go over what we know right with uh with with purdue basketball um we know all of our seniors, with the exception of maybe Eric Hunter Jr., uh, is gone, right? Eric Hunter Jr. is the wild card. He's in the transfer portal with the potential option of, to come back, depending on what happens uh, in the transfer portal elsewhere. The biggest news in the last week um, was uh, it's, it appeared that Nigel Pack was a shoe-in for Purdue at one point. Uh, until the name, image, likeness uh, world um, became evident, and uh, he committed to Miami for uh, a paycheck of $800,000 and a car, Um, which feels extremely, extremely icky to me in college sports, but that's what it is right now, and that's the world that the NCAA has allowed it to become, Uh, right or wrong. My, you know, my quick take on the NIL is, hey, I, I'm glad for the, I'm glad for the students. I'm glad for the kids that that they can make money off of themselves. I just don't know that the way we're doing it now is is 
particularly the right way, but I don't know what the right way is. And uh, that's the debate that we can we can get into tonight if you all want to go to that direction. So, uh, Gabby Riles, what's your yeah. thoughts on this whole deal? So, my thoughts uh, right now with the NCA basically deciding that there are no rules, basically anything goes long as the school isn't directly paying uh, players that anything's fine. I mean, most of these universities have set up collectives. Purdue is in the process of also setting up a collective that kind of lets funds be directed to these players. But when NIL was really gaining momentum, I naively thought, and this, it's like you, like HB said, players getting paid, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. They bring in significant amounts of revenue to the universities that they are now just getting a piece of. But when NIL was on the docket, I assumed it was going to be something where, hey, these players, they can set up autograph sessions. Like, hey, like come meet Travion Williams and he will sign like autographs for an hour and a half and you can like take a picture and he can actually get money for that. Or so-and-so Mason Gillis is going to host a basketball camp and he's going to be able to, the funds for that is something he's going to be able to collect. Players are going to be able to uh, market their own t-shirts. Like if they have a brand, like we saw with uh, Hunter Dickinson last year. Uh, But when you get into a billionaire at Miami who are a billionaire who is a Miami alum who let's be honest if you look the schools that are best prepared right now to offer all this money are schools that were probably paying people to start with just not out in the open uh giving Nigel Pack who is a good basketball player but who any most random college basketball fans would not be able to pick out of a lineup or recognize walking down the street, him getting $400,000 a year in a car to play maybe two years of college basketball at Miami, where he's going to maybe bring in 500 more fans a game. Like the impact that it's going to have on the basketball program is negligible compared to the money he's getting and when you're letting universities in these collectives just throw this money at them at like how habitual said it feels icky it's basically free agency for lack of a better term like these you're going to see players potentially enter the portal every year checking out their options who's going to pay me the most and at some point when people are not seeing return on investment on this it's going to probably settle down. You're not going to see the huge numbers. I think like Oscar uh, Chibwe is going to make roughly $2 million this year at Kentucky for coming back for his senior season. But past that right now for the next little bit, it's going to be the wild, wild west. As far as enforcement goes, the NCA has been shown in court cases along with when they've had, LSU, dead to rights. Will Wade still got to coach for a year and a half. Kansas is up to their ears in 
recruiting violations and NCA violations, and they just won the national title. So as long as the NCA is hands off, you're kind of going to be able to do what you want. And for this first couple of years, it's if you're not ponying up the money, someone is, and that player is going to go somewhere else. And we'll see how it goes. I think eventually it'll settle down, but right now there's schools that are going to be in better positions than Purdue to pay players. And that's what happened with Nigel Pack would have been a perfect fit, but instead kid took the money and I can't blame a kid. I can't blame a kid for taking $800,000 in a car. If someone had offered that to me, I would waste approximately a second and a half before I signed on the dotted line. Um, so I'm going to go off him a little bit. I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate because, you know, everyone hates, everyone hates me here anyway. So might as well. Um, at first I didn't agree at all. Like I was like, I'm going to get someone tape for this. But, I mean, they're getting a free college tuition. <laughs> they're not getting nothing. They're getting free room and board. They're getting a pretty good uh, lifestyle there. But I do agree with Riles now where I think, okay, if they're selling jerseys or they're doing camps or they're doing cameos, like, um, they should make money off that. I definitely agree. Um, I don't like it for the sole fact that I think – and this is why everyone came for me, but like, what is that going to do to the culture of your program? What's that going to do to the locker room of your program? Like, so say Purdue did offer that and, and he comes in making $800,000 in the next two years. Like, how is that going to sit well with the rest of your teammates? How's that sit well with the coach? Like, do you feel like you have to play them? Do you feel like you, have, you don't have as much control over that player? Um, well, that, that's yet to be determined, right? We don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I agree. I think that that's uh, that's surely going to have an impact on on certain programs. You know, some kids getting a uh, five dollars name image likeness likeness because he sold one shirt, uh, and then you got other people coming in making nearly a million of dollars, a million dollars, and have a car. And we don't know the details of the contract. Do they get paid over time? Do they actually have to play? You know, is, is there playing time? Yeah, like does uh, does the coach? Yeah, that's another. Yeah, does I mean, the coach feel like they have to pay a or play a player more because they're paying them now, basically, I mean, <laughs> like yeah, a pay I, for play thing? I hate to use Nigel Pack as the example, but um, obviously he's the elephant in the room. Does he get all that money up front? And then what if he never plays a game at Miami? You know, I, yeah, we don't we don't know any of those details. The thing that it's like there there are no the NCAA really made no rules on uh, the NIL they had guidelines and I know part of the guideline is you can't use it as recruiting right uh, well it's obviously being used as recruiting obviously um, so I don't you know we and Mark Emmert's out as the NCAA uh, president now whoever the new uh, leader is may see what's going on and make some changes but if it stays as the way it is college basketball and college football to a degree and college sports in general um, has just gotten really uh, dark, in my opinion. And um, you know, I well, word... and we talk about Purdue. Like, think about the mid majors. <laughs> you know, like, is it going to like March Madness? What makes it so fun? Is that going to become obsolete in years to come? I I don't know. I don't know. And I'm with you both. I don't I don't mind the kids making money off of uh, themselves. Yeah, I, the NCAA's made an absurd amount of money off of off of players. Um, but you know, we're it, it and I 
in my mind, I think that this could potentially be the, and I hate to be the, the bold statement guy here, but I, this could potentially be the beginning of the end of the NCAA. You might see another conference pop up where all the mid-majors start jumping in. You know, we might be down to like, um, you know, 12, maybe 15 teams, 15 schools that really compete in this environment. Uh, I'm kind of ticked at Purdue that uh, we're so far behind the eight ball on this one. Not that we can compete with a Miami um, or, or, or a Duke or, you know, the, the folks, the large market schools, whether it's big city or just big following, whatever it is, Purdue is not one of those. No matter what, you know, no matter what you think of Purdue, no matter how much you love Purdue, Purdue is not a large market school. We are not in a large city. Um, we, I say we, we should not- have the we should have the alumni though. I don't understand. It's not like I I don't know. Why is there no one wanting to I guess throw anything behind them? Well, yeah, I, we've got yeah. Purdue has the the rich alumni, but think about uh, okay, another think about a Harvard or a Yale or any of the Ivy League schools. Does this auto you know does this automatically make them? Uh, a blue bud school in in a, in a few years, you know, I, a lot of this stuff. I mean, it could it could really alter the landscape of of college sports. I think the blue bloods stay as they are, um, but you know, uh, Purdue's kind of behind the eight ball, which I'm disappointed because they're usually out ahead of stuff. They're usually a really forward thinking school, whether it's COVID um, or or anything for that matter. Purdue, it just felt like we were we were way too timid in this area and just didn't get anything any of this collective stuff together for to, to compete in this environment. And and I don't blame them necessarily. I was going to say, I, I feel like this is something painter wants nothing to do with, unfortunately. Well, um, I mean, it, it's, it's a, it's a thing is if you, if you can't beat them, you got to join. And you know, this is stuff that's been going on forever for, for, for a long time. It's just has not been public. It has I'm, not been legal. But it's, right? He's always hung his hat on not being that program. Well, um, what, before before it was cheating. Now it's yeah, not. well, I know, I know, but I'm just saying for him, like to adjust to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But one thing that bothers me a little bit is like, so Painter recruits a guy like Carson Edwards who wasn't heavily recruited, and he gets this guy and he just blows up, and he puts in all this development program to him. Like he's, you know, obviously he became who he was. Now, you know, Carson Edwards, his junior, I guess it was his sophomore year. Um. He can come, you know, he came back to Purdue and he led us to the Elite Eight. But with this NIL around, you know, a program investing you, now he can go off and, and go to a different program after you just put all that time into him and go make money, which I understand from a player perspective, but that really sucks for the program. <laughs> it does. Yeah. I, yeah. So, I, I mean, and so, you know, I guess. I guess in basketball, you can manage around fairly quickly in basketball. But, you know, football, uh, football is not something that you can just piecemeal teams together um, every offseason. Uh, and as, as afraid as I am that what this could do to Purdue basketball, you know, what the hell happens to, to football if we've got guys transferring in and out, you know, key recruits? I mean, think about even in basketball next year, we've got the next couple of years, we've got some really highly touted recruits coming in. Um, what if what if a Duke or a Miami or whoever comes in and says, hey, after one freshman year, we're going to give you a million dollars and and uh, and a uh, suburban um, 
to come play for us. I mean, why wouldn't you go? I don't blame Nigel Pack for doing what yeah. he did. I don't blame any kids for going and doing that. You don't know what's going to happen a year or two down the road. You might get injured. You take the money now. Um, so it's kind of it, it's it's kind of concerning on on the future and 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 what's 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 going to happen. So we don't have a whole lot of people. Uh, we don't have really anybody jumping in to talk, Gabby. And now I'm t- I'm trying to invite people to say, hey, what's your take? I see we got Braggs on here. Braggs usually has a lot to talk about, but he's quiet tonight. Um, what else? Um, <laughs> we're like, what are we going to talk about? What, what do you want to talk about for if, before anyone jumps in after this NIL about AOC and the Heisman? Oh, dude, I'm all in on AOC. AOC. Uh, I. <laughs> You know, I think he's got obviously, even in the Big Ten, a couple competitors. But uh, the dude can sling a ball. He takes risks. He takes good risks. I know he had. He's been surrounded by great receivers that were, uh, some were, were you know, uh, some were expected to be great receivers and others weren't, especially in the bowl. But the dude puts the ball right on his, uh, right on his receivers. Um, he he just, <laughs> how he was not starter from day one. <clears throat> I don't fully understand. I think Brom, uh, Brom doesn't like the interception, but man, when you're when you're slinging the ball, um, you got you got to take some risks. And AOC, man, uh, he's got a rocket arm. He makes a lot of good decisions, and I think next year he's going to be right in that race if if Purdue can uh, uh, continue on the momentum that they built last year. And and I'm telling you, it's been a while since. Purdue's had anything close to a Heisman competitor, you know, what would have been like, uh, maybe Kyle Orton. I remember we started off the year. I don't, I don't even know what year it was, but they had a big campaign for Curtis Painter to to be a Heisman candidate. And then the, then the season started (laughs) and and that went down the drain. So, uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about AOC, uh, next year and Purdue football in general, as long as we can get our injured players, uh, back on board, which I think is expected. Uh, hey Braggs, unmute, unmute yourself. How we doing, guys? Hey, what's up? Shit, just missed like the last like ten, eight, ten minutes of you guys because I had to put my daughter down, and that's always chaos. I have to read her You're these. Fine. I have to read her these kitty stories where I have to make believe what these kitties are doing. <laughs> it's like it's insanity, and she just screams <laughs> at me the whole time. And now You're I fine. come down You're and I'm. And I just wanted your. You know, yeah, I heard that. That was why I was like, oh, they're like, come up here. I was like, no, I want to listen to this because uh, you guys were just getting into it. Um, but, you know, you, Riles was touching on it, too. Like, I, I thought he made a good point. Like, like, I think that, like, it'll be the wild, wild west at first, and then it'll it'll start to taper off from what we're seeing, like, right now out the gates because – like Riles pointed out, these schools were already paying these guys. And that's what I think, you know, some fans are like not remembering throughout this process. And so I don't think it really changes how much Purdue recruits. Cause I mean, look at what did they tout all year? How low ranked most of their team was. Yes. I you know to touch on that. We were never after those guys really anyways. Right. <laughs> and so like to me like yeah, the Kentuckys, the Dukes, the pure the true blue bloods, not the are going to start pay- overpaying for players that haven't proven anything yet. 
And Painter's just going to continue to trust his recruiting process and know his talent when he sees it. And the rankings aren't going to mean anything. Jaden Ivey ranked a hundredth and Zach Eady ranked 400th. Now the bigger concern is the transfer portal aspect of this. Yeah. Are you going to be worried then that those guys transfer then? Right. So exactly. So would a Jaden Ivey now, if we had had him this year and let, or he was coming in this year and then in his second year, would he then be transferring out of here to go to Duke, Kentucky, whoever that's going to pay big dollar to come here? But this is where I'm like, like if you really want to think about it, like think about J- Jaden Ivey just specifically, who knew after his second year he's going to the NBA. So after his first year when he becomes a, a budding star, would he then risk leaving to get a quick payday for a year when he knows a year from then or six months from then he's going to be entering the NBA draft. I mean, yeah, you want to make sure you get money in case you get hurt. That's certainly a consideration, but at the same time, you're leaving a situation that set you up to get you into the NBA draft. You know, it's, it's going to be a tougher decision for kids like that than you think. Like, let's say, Miles Colvin is the one that does that. And after his first year, he blows up and they're like, well, you're going to the NBA after your sophomore year. Well, yeah, he can take the payday somewhere else, but then he's starting over at another school. And let's say it's Kansas or whatever, Kentucky. Now you're sharing the ball with got six other guys that are just as talented as you are, as opposed yeah. to playing at Purdue where you're going to be the star and you could then potentially be a top five pick. So I I think it's a more layered discussion in regards to that, but the transfer portal is the bigger concern than to me, than the high school recruits getting paid. Well, I I think, go ahead, ahead, Gavin. I was just going to say like, that's the whole painters buying into the program thing and what I tweeted and everyone got so mad at me about like, not to say Nigel Pack, yeah, everybody would have been thrilled. I was just saying, if he didn't want to be here, then like Painter is buying into his program, and if he doesn't want to buy into the program, then that's what Purdue is about. That's like we develop players, the culture. Like Nigel Pack, he's developed, he's going to the NBA, but so it's a little different with him. But that was my whole thing. Like, if he's not going to buy in, then like he just wasn't for our program, anyways, and it was never going to work out. Sure. So HB. at, at the, 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 uh, there's only so much money to go around too. Right. Right. That's, I mean, at least that, that's, uh, at least that's what I think. Maybe there's a hell of a lot more money than I think there is. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like the Miami booster may be a billionaire, but whoever's going to shell out this money for the IU players. Yeah. Well, look what happened. Like, look at Romeo Langford. How much would he have cost IU? You know, and then he goes there and they have an unsuccessful year. They get beat by Purdue. They don't make the tournament. And this guy shelled out a million dollars for for uh, Romeo Langford. And then IU comes back to him and is like, oh, we've got another hot prospect. Trust us. This this time it's going to work. You know, it's it's you got to have a you know, the boosters. You know, the guy in Miami might have all sorts of money. Who knows? I don't know what he's going to do. But, you know, the guys at IU that are throwing, what is it going to be, Mark Cuban? I don't know, whoever. 
you know, they're going to have to trust the program is going to do right by the money they're putting into it. Yeah. You know, it, it, well, I have to. At some point, yeah, I think that at, at the end of the day, that's probably your saving grace because you're not. I, I don't care how much money you have. It's not like the NBA where you can pay these guys to stay for 10 years. You know, they're. This is a two-year deal for Nigel Pack, right? And if he, if they don't, if Miami doesn't do anything in two years, which they very well may not, you know, Miami is not a very good team. I don't know what they've done. Um, I don't know what they've done else otherwise in the offseason. They've obviously added Nigel Pack, but but they could still be a terrible team next year for all we know. And you just spend a million dollars in a car on on a kid to come play for for two years. Also, yeah, what's you know, the is point? He I guess to play for two years there. I, we, we don't know it's not that. a guarantee that he'd be there for two years. No. They have a kid from Illinois, from Chicago. His name's Andre Casey, who's very talented. I mean, I'm sure they'll be solid, but are they going to get to a Final Four national championship? I mean, as we as we know, with Purdue, you can have all the talent in the world, and you may not make it past the Sweet yeah. 16. Ask yeah. I mean, Gonzaga might, how that works out. You know, it's <laughs> – You might see these boosters and uh, whoever else – uh, is putting all money in their life lock or whoever just get a really bad taste in their mouth after a few years and say, this is really not worth it. Just right. I mean, unless it's Zion Williamson, who Purdue's not getting anyway, which yeah. is why Purdue fans just need to relax, then it's not, it's, it is going to calm down. And then, like I said, I just think there's a whole other aspect too is, you know, now that it's public knowledge how much these guys make, these are kids coming out of high school, you know, that are getting paid. Yeah, the transfers are more of a proven commodity and they're more, you know, mature. But even then, but just specifically the high school kids, I'm thinking about these guys. It's public knowledge how much they're getting from their schools. That's a lot of pressure on top of having to live up to your expectations. And that. I just think has a big effect and you know, you got, I just going to keep using IU as example because that's our arrival, but it's like, they're going to have these kids come in and they already got to live up to their top 25 ranking top 30, whatever. And then, Oh, by the way, they also make 500 grand a year of, you know, fans and media. That's a whole, and you're talking about kids. I mean, the, the guys in the NBA have a hard time, you know, dealing with that kind of pressure. Th- these are kids who haven't even matured into just taking all of that heat. I mean, you already see how much heat the players got before they were getting paid. I mean, they're getting ripped to shreds, you know? So I just think that's another big aspect that's going to make a, a player that could end up being very good crumble because it's just so much at all at once, you know? And, hey, they're 18 years old. They're all making money, more power to them. I just think the system is a little crazy. I don't, I'm not the one to figure out how to make it right. I agree. I did not, with you guys were talking earlier, like, did not see this aspect of it coming. I thought it was going to be like the way Sasha did it with, you know, he's got a car deal. He's got a, yeah. you know, a, a little merchandise deal. He does a inter, you know, interview once a week with Tom Brew. You know, and it's all personal business that he made for himself, not some guy that comes in and throws money down. You know, I know the NCAA's president stepping down. Maybe they're going to rethink the the guidelines to this, you know, in some aspect. I don't know. 
you know, ultimately I do think players should be paid. I think it's a more complicated discussion when you just talk about, you know, yeah, these, these programs and basketball football programs are make bringing in huge money for these universities and the players weren't seeing a cent. That wasn't right. But there's just so many players like Zion's bringing in huge money for Duke. But then the guy that's at the very end of the bench is not. So like, how do you divvy up the pay fairly? Yeah. So I understood that and it's such that, a, and, and that I, I touched on earlier. How does that relate to the locker room? Is that an issue? Is that something that's going to, right? Know, absolutely. Really that's going to, absolutely. That's going to play and, and then, a, and then, a and role. With the coaches. I mean, I got a guy making that. Is he going to feel like, Oh, you know, F you, whoever my coach is, you know, absolutely, absolutely. That's going to play a role, you know, with, uh, play players get inside their own head. Their families are talking to them. Things happen. Guys get benched for a few, you know, we we've seen it here. We've seen it at other schools, you know, it, and now you've got the money aspect of it when they're like, Oh, well, they've made promises to this kid. You know, you can see those backdoor conversations, already it's just going to add a whole nother layer of pressure but that's what the players wanted they want to get paid and they deserve it i'm not saying they don't it's just gonna it is going to complicate things you know that there's just a whole bunch of unforeseen things that are coming and i for me personally i'm really not damn thing started with all right the ncaa and the school is making so much money off these kids so much money we got to figure out a way to Get them their fair. And share. I agree. I agree. And I, I've totally but, changed my stance. I, but, I agree. They're selling stuff. <laughs> you know, Sasha's over there doing this thing. Like, give them money for that. That's not fair. You know. Yeah. Jersey sales, ticket sales. Fine. Give them Mason Gillis. Give them, is give them all their share. Not life lock coming in and offering a kid a million dollars to come play for your freaking school. <laughs> I mean, we went from we went from, you know, zero to a hundred in a year. Well, and you also know just from like if you remember the Miami football team when like Hester was there, there was a guy paying all those players to play there and like giving them a whole bunch of perks, you know, a boat they can use all the time and all this stuff. And um, he was a real shady character who ended up getting in a lot of trouble. And that's the kind of other thing that's going to come into this if you start letting guys like whoever the Miami guy, whatever, you know, now you start letting other people, are you background checking these people to the nth degree to make sure where their money's coming from is on the up and up? Because that could be the house of cards that also comes crumbling down is when some schools paying all these kids to come and then they find out the money's coming from a nefarious place. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's definitely a very complicated situation but i just think purdue fans were overreacting a bit when they fell short on nigel pack you know i i i just think painter of all of all coaches painter's gonna be fine because he knows how to recruit players that no one's talking about zach Eady is the perfect example of that come talk to me (laughs) say that again you were breaking up a little bit gabby Come talk to me to sleep every night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey. What's up, Jeffrey? What's going on? So I, I've had a few discussions with different people on this. One, my ref friend, um, we used to ref in the Big Ten. And what he's worried about, I think Jay Wright is just the first of many dominoes. You're going to see a lot more coaches 
retire early because they're not going to want to deal with this. And you're going to see the product turn into more, and he said it, that it's going to be more like AAU ball. Now, I'm not a part of AAU. I don't understand it, but you can see, because I, I think I just read it, like one of the top recruits is going and getting paid by a, a, a top AAU program. So this is just the beginning. This is a terrible thing. I was a, I'm a former Purdue Boilermaker baseball player, so I have an, a good understanding of the of the ends a little bit about this. And this domino is going to be terrible for the game. The game itself is what's going to be bad. I really believe that's why I think part of like you can really see Coach K left because of this too. He don't want to deal with these these players getting these NIL deals. And then you had Jay Wright. There's going to be a lot more in the next few years, I, I personally believe too. Do you really believe though, Jeffrey, that that um, Coach K didn't pay Zion Williamson to play at Duke? He he didn't. A booster did. When you guys are talking about the schools paying, the school is not. It's it's technically yeah, whoever is a booster. So, but they know. I mean, this is a backdoor. I'm not saying they, that they don't. I'm not saying they don't. They and you, remember the movie Blue Chips. Back of in the course. 90s? Of course. Just look back at the last scene when Nick Nolte goes nuts and he goes, this is all about money, and then he quits. <laughs> I always think of that scene now with, with all this. And I don't fault any player for taking the money. You can't. None of oh. us can. Well, uh, you know, we'll, just, we'll, never, we'll never fault anyone for making money. You can't. Not me. That's why <laughs> we're in America. But I just – I really believe – I'm worried that within the next five years we might lose Painter because he's going to get just tired of – having to worry about boosters and paying. And you might see some of these coaches if, that are in their 50s want to leave and maybe try in the NBA. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a Purdue booster, and I can uh, categorically say I do not have $800,000 in a car to give anybody <laughs> to come play <laughs> basketball. You know, what I, you know where I'm coming from with this. <laughs> you know, that's the whole, the whole aspect of this. Of this all, of this all. I mean, we'll see. Like you everyone said, you gotta let it they would have taken the money. Years, hey, here, everyone said they would have taken the money. I would have chose Purdue. <laughs> I would have chose Purdue. Well, no look, another thing, too, is how will the schools – now, granted, we don't know. We only worry about what Purdue is. But how many others – because these kids are still technically student athletes, right? That's what they're categorized as, student athletes. How are the academics and them, are they still going to be held to that standard to actually go to class? If you're making 800 k why would you want to go to class? You're just yeah. going to right. play basketball. That That's another aspect that I don't think a lot of people are talking about with it. Because they're supposed to be there. They're playing basketball, but also getting a free education from the school. Because the, the minimal percentage, and this goes for all sports, the percentage of these players actually making it to the pros is very slim. Well, I'm not. Like, I'm not sure Miami really has classes, though. Do they? I, I'm, not, I'm not. You know, I can't. We can't. I can't speak for any other school, but I think you kind they of have yoga classes on the beach. From. Yeah. No. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding on that. Why? Well, I, I. I don't know. I. I'm just mind. It's mind-boggling to me that how we went from nothing to uh, the 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 doors are wide open on this you know we're now it's now just free agency so well that's why i think that i'd be really surprised within the next two years if there isn't a re you know a a different vision on the guidelines you know like i think they'll watch how this plays out and then reassess how they want to 
how they I'd be very surprised if they just keep it as is. I think that there will be some tinkering to the rules of this at some point. Well, well that's here's right. A, here's they, a question. I don't I can't I'm trying to think of this. So I know the one year transfer rule where they didn't have to sit out became because of COVID. Is that just continued from here on out, or does that eventually go back to the old transfer rule? If you transfer, you have to sit out a year. Does anyone know that? What I do not, I do not. What so, say that again, Jeff? When 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 co- when COVID hit and we had the COVID year and oh, stop the oh, NCAA tournament. No. I don't think I don't think no, you have it, to sit out anymore. Which no, it's wide. That's open what now. I'm asking. Like they came up with it. You had a one time transfer, one time transfer. So, like, if, let's say, Pac doesn't like Miami and he wants to leave and go somewhere else, but now he already used his one-time transfer. It's not like every year you can keep going. There are some guidelines within. I don't know all of them, but I think it was a one-time transfer rule. I guess I'm ignorant on the subject. I just assume that um, – I, I thought it had changed to where you can transfer no matter what now. maybe Maybe I'm wrong. I, that that's uh, something that would be an interesting another discussion about to know the more in depth just so we have an understanding. If it's one time that changes, that changes how you're thinking about it too. Because you know we're kind of looking at it as, do you have to recruit again the players you just had every single year? Because are they going to go out and try and get money elsewhere? And every that's year not, that's where I think that would be. Like, can we go back to the where if you transfer you sit out a year? That's how it was previous. And that would maybe help the whole transfer. Um, the the only make money, right? The only but before COVID, if you transferred and you didn't have like an injury, if you didn't get like a, a waiver from the NCAA, you couldn't play the next year. Think of um who tra- remember um oh gosh what was his name who was Hummel's um player from high school that came Scott Martin Scott Martin Scott remember Martin when Scott Martin left the Notre Dame he didn't he had to sit out a year. He yeah, that Notre Dame, and he had to sit out a season before he could play, and then he then he got hurt with his ACL. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think like a, a a rule where if you're coming out of high school and you sign an NIL deal with a life wallet dude, that then you if you transfer, you have to sit out a year. Like that's the kind of rule that I think would be fair in something like that to just try to give an incentive. You know, and and help the other kids out that aren't coming in and getting money. You know what I mean? Where then if they bud after a year and then they're they're allowed to transfer, well, the other kid that's getting paid, he can't. He has to make a tougher decision. You know what I'm saying? Like there, like I agree, it is the wild wild west. The transfer thing definitely is what freaks me out more. You know, especially when you consider these kids coming in for Purdue here after this year, you know, um, that, you know, that the point guard and miles Colvin. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to, that the freshman year is going to be great. And then we're all going to be sweating when the off season comes, you know, cause you're going to have some of these blue bloods down their throat. So yeah, I, I think there has to be a reimagining of how these rules work you know, more so with the transfer than than with the paying them coming out of high school. Because I think that'll work itself out because I think schools and boosters will be hesitant to just throw boatloads of money unless they're literally Zion Williamson type 
on a huge risk and an unknown. The transfer portal, they're less of an unknown. You know what kind you you basically know what kind of college player you're getting. So, you know, I, that's that's kind of where I'm looking. Hey, Audra, what's up? Hey, guys. Um, really just Hi, wanted Audra. to talk, of course, about the transfer. Hey, Gabby. <laughs> uh, want to talk about the transfer portal. Sorry, you keep cutting out. You're good. I said I convinced her to come on for me. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, wanted to talk about Eric, though. Like, do we think maybe he jumped into the transfer portal to see if he could get attention from another school like this? What? Obviously, it's not going to be up there where Pac was, but, like, is he out there, like, testing the waters for that reason? Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, yeah, I think he's, uh, he's getting his. Uh, I think he's getting. He, he's gonna. He's exploring the options. Uh, it, this is this is obviously my opinion. I have no inside knowledge on any of this. So, but my opinion is, I I think he wants to come back to Purdue. Who who wants to, who who really wants to leave for your fifth season? Um, but I think he's also been probably told that, you know. Uh, we're also exploring our options too. And if we can get a slam dunk point guard, uh, we don't have a spot for you when you come back. But um, if you, if you think about it, worst case scenario, you bring back a point guard uh, from a team that just won 30 games and, you know, um, was scoring lights out to begin the season, a fifth year senior that knows the system, knows the school, knows what Painter wants to do. Well, that's, that's not, uh, that's that's really not a terrible spot to be in. Um, and who knows what kind of leap Hunter can make from year four to year five, right? I mean, you, you do, what's what's Painter's moniker? Get old and stay old. And that's that's uh, what you'd be doing by bringing Eric Hunter back. So I won't be – I wouldn't be disappointed if, if that's what Purdue ends up doing, honestly. Um, would I love to have Nigel Pack? Who's our point guard next season? Nigel Pack passed up. If Hunter comes back, we're not in the worst situation. No. No. no, no. I, great... I think it's a great point by Audra, though. Maybe he – because I've been trying to make sense of how Eric's been playing this, and maybe there was a thought in his head, like, well, maybe a school will, that is – like one piece away from, you know, type of team will pay me to come play for them. You know, maybe that was what he thought, you know, not, you know, obviously the NBA is probably not an option and, and who knows what his aspirations are to play overseas. And maybe he thought that was because at this point there is a spot for him at, at Purdue that, or you know, a month ago, it didn't seem like it wouldn't seem like Purdue was going to nab one of, you know, Lewin or, or Nigel Pack and, and those fell through and and now there is a spot, but I've kind of been racking my brain on what kind of conversations him and Painter had and it's like hard to decide how that all went down because, you know, you don't know if maybe Eric felt slighted by not being started for half the season. You know, you, you don't really know how we don't really know how that all shook out, you know, I, I agree. I think it would be great for this team with, you know, Braden Smith coming in and Fletcher Lord, they, they'd have a veteran guy that knows the system. It's not easy to learn painter system that quickly. 
and then you've got a guy that can at least be a calming force and run the run the sets, you know. So I mean, I at this point, Purdue would would welcome them back if they can't find one of these transfers, and as of yet, they haven't. So, you know, but just the way he played this, it does seem like he's trying to go somewhere else. And then if if Purdue's his last his last, you know, opportunity, that's what he's going to take. But then I don't know how Painter feels about that on the other side of it. So yeah, it's, a, a, it's a big guessing game. But just the way he's played this so far, to me, tells me he's trying to play somewhere else. Uh, that's I mean, that's a good point, Braggs. Him doing what he's doing now is almost like entering the draft without hiring an agent. You're getting feedback. You're exploring what's out there. You're You're getting what people are telling you. But I also think is I think this whole transfer portal thing is a little bit of playing poker, right? So so say Hunter, say Eric Hunter does want to stay at Purdue and he gets a halfway decent offer, then you know the, uh, then he shows his cards to Painter and says, "Shit or get off the pot, dude," you know, and, and vice versa. Um, I think there's a lot of that goes sure. on. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, Purdue's trying to do what's best for them. Eric Hunter's trying to do what's best for him, and I don't know that any school knows exactly what that is or any, any, any entity knows exactly what, what that is right now until, until the cards at the table. Sure. Anyone else want to come on and talk? Dustin, I called on you. Come on, bud. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just, I'm I'm glad glad you guys did this tonight. It's, it's fun to talk about here. Different people's perspectives on this. I mean, we can tell we all bleed the gold and black, which is, you know, great. We know we were disappointed and we'll see how it, you know, goes moving forward. I think the future, we'll have to see if this changes it, but I mean, some of the kids, especially the videos in that I've seen of this Miles Colvin, to me, he almost looks better than Ivy and that's tough to say. I mean, granted, I'm only seeing clips and I've never seen him live versus top end competition, but and he's got Purdue blood with his dad. So when we talk about his family and him, he's probably not worried about money as yeah. much as we think. <laughs> with his well, dad I, having I, a nice long NFL career. I agree. I think Colvin has the potential to have a better college career than Jaden Ivey. Now is he a better NBA prospect? I don't you know, I don't know. You know, will he be a top five pick like Jaden's about to be? I highly doubt it. But I think yeah. There is a very good chance Miles Colvin has a, 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 a to be a better college Purdue player than Jaden was, and that's saying a lot because Jaden was great here the last two years. But from what I see on the tape, and granted, it's the same stuff you've seen the clips his dad puts up, and and and, and but just from my eyes, uh, you know, I'm I'm just a fan in the stands, but at the same time. I've seen a lot of basketball in my life and he's got a very, he's got a good shot. You know, I I think Jaden's shot was more erratic. He's, you know, he had it over 40% for half of this season. And I thought that was a miracle and I was giving him a lot of credit for that. But then you kind of saw water found its level in that regard. I think Colvin has a, a more reliable shot now, you know, does he have the same burst to the rim? You know, he certainly is hammering it down on these kids in high school. Now let's see how he does when he gets to the college level. But, you know, and then the other question I have is, could he be a guy that 
goes into his junior year, you know, and and plays a longer career at Purdue because, I, you know, Purdue's not used to having players that leave after their sophomore year to be a top five pick. You know, if Jaden had played into his junior year, you know, obviously he would have been even better. And so if Miles is the type of guy that's a three-year player, that 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 tells me that he's going to have a better overall career. So it's like that's 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 what I hope for. But then again, my concern is this transfer portal and some blue blood seeing this guy ball out his rookie or freshman year, and then Mister Life Wallet comes along and offers him five hundred grand, and we lose him. You know, or same with the point guard that's in Salt Lake City. I know he was originally from. Uh, Indiana. I always butcher his name, so I'm not going to attempt to say it. But um, they both have a lot of talent. So, you know, I'm I, you know, I'm very happy Edie came back for this season. I think that'll keep them keep their heads above water somewhat. They're certainly not going to be as good as they were last year, but maybe less expectations, so fans aren't as upset every time they lose. But then the year after this year. There's a there's a lot to be excited about with Purdue. What's the, hey, the, Justin, this what's the, hold on. Let's let let's let Justin go, go ahead. In. Go ahead. Go right ahead. Justin. Hey, how's it going, guys? You coaxed me into it. I did. What's up, Justin? I was, I was DMing you saying, join in. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have really any thoughts in particular. Um, because you guys are you guys are the fans. You guys watch every game. You're diehard. I just have like from my perspective, I'm interested to get some of your thoughts on, um, and it's been great to hear what you you guys have already talked about, but one of the things that I'm interested in is, you know, you look at the last couple of years and how poorly the Big Ten has played in the NCAA tournament. Like, how do Purdue fans feel about Matt Painter continuing to recruit big guys? Like, they just landed the the William Bird kid. I think that's his name. The William Bird kid, the seven-footer. Um, <laughs> back and, like, um, like are you are you – do you think Purdue needs to go a different direction uh, in order to get to the Final Four, uh, or are you happy with having that kind of um, that streamline of big men in, in West Lafayette? So I'm going to chime in here because I've given my thoughts. I am personally over the seven five beasts on the court that can put a layup in. I don't think it's getting us anywhere. We've done it so many years as our game plan. I'm over that. I want a more quick. Um, free flow offense that's more guard oriented. I think it it works better in March. I don't think it gets us anywhere. Like maybe even running like first at the five. Um, I know everyone's gonna hate me for this, but I don't know. I whether Berg's good or not, and whether you know, I know Edie's great and Haas is great, and they're all great, but I don't think that that game plan is getting us where we want to be. And I. I'm kind of straying away from those seven five people right now. <laughs> I I hear what you're saying, Gabby, and I in a way I agree. They can be that tall, but they gotta be more athletic. We have like we love Edie, but he's a plotter. He kills you defensively because we can't hedge. Because you they're know, so the tall, they can't no, there's never gonna be a seven five guy who can defend. Like it's but, just but, but I don't how tall is the guy from Kentucky, Sheboy? He's got to be, you know, if he's 6'10", 6'11". Yeah, but we're never going to get that guy. So, then, Then you're right. Then we need to switch up the approach. Yeah, we need to get away from these guys that are, hey, let's – oh, yeah, we got the tallest guy from freaking whatever. 
Billy. Never say never. Never say never. Edie's one of the, mo- one I'm of the just most. Saying, we got some tall guy from some village somewhere, and I, I don't know. I'm just, I don't, I'm over it. <laughs> some village. <laughs> but I, I just go back to like Matt Barnes, and I thought he was probably the most, one of the most athletic seven foot guys. And if they could have developed him into more of a three point shooter, where he, I mean, he could use his athleticism to block shots, to hit the deep shot. Um, and to just be a, a physical presence, like that kind of seven footer can work. Like you saw uh, it didn't necessarily work this year, but Chet Holmgren, at, um, yes, yeah, like that's the kind of player I think if you're going to recruit a big man, that's that's not to say you can't win with a guy like Edie, but I mean, look at Kofi Coburn, look at Luca Garza, you've got to be able to move defensively, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. so I think those guys add value on your roster. It's well, just, and, I, and I don't know that you want to strike it to that's the whole big 10. I mean, honestly, that's right. how the Big Ten plays. And when was the big last time the Big Ten competed? I mean, we're getting knocked out early <laughs> every round. Well, and why? Bird can be that guy. I don't think he's your back to the basket, just bang it down low type of center. You know, I, I think he's pretty athletic, and I think he has a pretty damn good shot too. So, yeah, his his tape is kind of hard to tell. I think he's gonna redshirt this year. Um, you know, but he definitely is a guy that can stretch the floor and shoot threes and face up his defender. He's not always going to be a back to the basket big. Um, who knows how he is defensively? Uh, Matt Harms was very good defensively or solid defensively, but he was soft on offense, and that was his problem. And then conversely, Edie is dominant as an offensive big, but you know, as big as he is, yes, when you're running pick and roll and you're chasing, you know, on defense and you're constantly chasing, you know, then the open threes open up, which is a problem. But if you have a team that can shoot and obviously Purdue fell short of shooting with the accuracy they were to start this season, a guy like Edie on offense, you'll take, you'll take, you'll, you'll take that with what you lose you know, maybe defensively, you know, chasing guys. I mean, obviously he's still a rim protector, but, you know, if Edie, if the shooters are doing their job, a guy like Edie is amazing because he is gravity for the rest of the defense. They're always doubling him, always, if not tripling him, and they're always fouling him. And then if he's kicking it out, the shooters knock it down. That, that that's an unstoppable offense. Now Purdue wasn't hitting their shots. That was the problem. So, you know, I wouldn't shy away from it necessarily. You're just hoping for, you know, I mean, they're college kids, so you know, you're hoping for the total package. But, you know, I'll take Edie all day, every day. I'll take it. You know, Travion, not perfect, and obviously. You know, I, like this year when they start stop doubling him, I thought that was a good strategy by other teams because you either you know you live it you live with what he's going to do against you, and doubling was actually worse against teams that were trying to do that to him because then that opened up other things for Purdue. They stopped doing that, and it hurt Purdue. So Edie, I, I you know no, I don't stop recruiting guys like that if I'm Purdue. I just, you know, you shooters got to do their part too, you know, so what's that? We're not going anywhere with it. I'm just saying if the shooters do their job, if the shooters do their job, 
Okay, they but get to the final four. But they're, but they're off a game like they have been the last 10 years. Or, or 100 well, years. I mean, <laughs> he, he, he can only... The shooters, the shooters do their job. I mean, we, that's yeah. not happening. Well, I mean, you can't. You well, if that's the, you can't be defeatist. You just gotta hope they're going to recruit the guys that'll eventually get it done. I well, mean, this just, team, yeah. you know, Eric Eric Hunter had zero points in the the final game. You know, yeah. obviously Sa- Sasha had his struggles. You know, up until the final game, and then in the second half, he went scoreless. Uh, you know, uh, that Mason Gillis, who was very efficient at shooting the three at the start of the year. You know, was airballing threes. You know, those were all no. open looks that they could have hit. I mean, I that's not that's not Zach Eady's fault. I don't yeah, disagree. no, I, yeah, I know. I don't disagree with you, Braggs, but think about uh, what what style of ball that team played that Purdue lost to. Were they <laughs> were they uh, banging team down low or were they guard oriented? And that seems to be what Purdue always loses to in that tournament. And that, you know, that last game, that last game that we always lose to, that's the that's the most important one. So, well, I mean, I don't. Just saying, there's nothing not wrong and, with having an Edie. You just need to have a dynamic point yes. guard. Yeah, and you can't have your you can't have your seniors, and you can't have all your other guards and and small shrink. Um, you just can't have them shrink at the end. Of the year. And we're we're being really critical because. The NCAA tournament is so hard. It's so freaking hard. There's one damn team that ends up uh, winning the whole thing at the end of the year. Um, I just well, habitual. We, you're you're exactly right. But we also think about you go into that St. Peter's game. We look back at that. However, the game played out. But what was our by far our biggest advantage? Edie should have had 30 points in that game against that team. And I don't yeah. know what he ended up with. And that's where I think. You know, we look at and get so disappointed and where Gabby comes in and and saying maybe we should switch away and get away from that and have two six nine, six ten forward center types that are athletic, kind of like Villanova always has. When you that that's kind of a comparison team I think. Jeffrey, you, are you trying to fight with me or are you agreeing with me here? I'm agreeing. <laughs> <with you. laughs> He's agreeing. But I'm saying in that in that what we're saying in that St. Peter's game. When we're when you just look at it's that game, obviously Ivy's the best player, but Edie did nothing, and Edie should dominate that game. Yeah, he should. Well, he's uh, seven he, four. He's, they have no one even close to him. Just as much as the Texas game, Edie should have shot thirty free throws in that game. I mean, Edie and Travion were I fouled, re- fouled relentlessly in that game. I know no one's going to go back and watch it because that'd be like uh, nightmare fuel. But uh, <laughs> every time prior to the pass coming in. They're hugging these guys, and yeah, that's a part of the equation. Can we ever depend on the refs to call it straight on any of these bigs? That that's a big part of the question. But just overall, like the type of player these guys are, I mean, they're more of a positive than a negative. There's just variables that go it, into it that you can't can or can't it goes count back to on. Richard Boiler's point about the NIL: if you can't beat them, join them. Okay, so. Who are these teams winning the tournaments? Who are the teams going far? It's guard-oriented play. It's not seven five people who can't move. Like I, I don't want to tear them down. I don't want to be that type of no, person. But... I, I'm just I'm just saying. I think you're focusing. It, it they just were missing their Carson Edwards. I mean, Matt Harms is a solid, you know, seven foot three guy, 
but he had Carson Edwards and, and Ryan Klein going insane. And that's, that's what they, that's what they needed. Now, Sash, Sash did not have a good overall tournament and Eric Hunter is not capable of doing what Carson Edwards did. Now I'm telling you though, if, Zach Eady the, was well, on this team two years from now. He's not. Play, what position did they play? They I understand both. that, but that's what I'm saying. You got to have both. Yeah, I, I, there's nothing wrong with having that guy, but you also need the point guard. You, you, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying, "Hey, we need guards," but you, it's not an either or. We like, okay, we're gonna have guards, and we're not gonna recruit a center. Hell, if the centers want to come here to play, let them come here to play. They just got to get the guards right. You know what I'm saying? They clog up I'm just going to say, I agree. Their I agree. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there is no writing. Abby, you just, just, gotta... just open another Miller Light. Calm down. You got, you got... <laughs> you, I, I'm going to have tonight. <laughs> it's like Bragg said, you've got to have. You can't have all your players shrink into at the biggest moment, and that's not just this year's. That's not just this year's team. That's been that's been Purdue in a nutshell forever. Um, I I don't I I think you can win without the bigs, and I think you can win without the with the bigs. Uh, you just got to have the right people on the court, and you can't you just can't have them. You got you can't have your stars and your seniors shrink um, at the wrong. For time. what it's worth, me so. and Braggs are friends, people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we got yeah, we got your picture taken with a, a Milwaukee native. Well, okay, what's the point guard's name coming from Utah that I always butcher? It's a three name that Gibbs Lawhorn. Oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Okay, so you got him, you got Colvin, you got Braden Smith, you got Fletcher Lawyer, you got uh, Brandon Newman as a senior, and then you got Mason, then you got Mason Gillis as a senior. And then your bigs for that season, which is two years from now, will be Caleb first because uh, presumably Zach Eady won't play his senior year. I was surprised he came back this year Where, to play his junior going? year. There was where's he, where's he going? Well, I, I'm not. I, well, he's staying at Purdue, but I was. I had heard whispers that he was thinking about leaving, and That's obviously with his announcement, everyone thought I was crazy. I literally said the same well, thing. Well, then. Yeah, I had heard that he was contemplating leaving. And so, you know, he did it, and I'm happy for that. But I highly doubt he plays his senior year. If he does, I'll be excited about it. But if he doesn't, then it'll be your wish, Gabby. It'll be Caleb first at the five, and his backup will be William Berg, who are more athletic, who can play the perimeter and the post. Yeah. So you'll, you're you're going to get your wish two years from now. Hey, what's, but ne- what's, next what's, year, we're posting up. Throwing hey, it hey. in the block. <laughs> hey, Frank, what's the definition of insanity? <laughs> Doing things over what? and over, expecting so a different result. Yes, come on. It's like it's what every NCAA tournament team, hey. in, in, unless your name is Villanova, Kansas, Duke, does every year. If Aaron Connor shot the lights out like Carson Edwards, the okay. team would have yeah. won a. Fi- a uh, <laughs> Championship. I'm just saying that you can win one with Edie. You just needed a Carson with him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had one. We had Jane Ivy. If we want to get into that, that goes back to my poll. Now, Jaden is a different (laughs) player, and that was just unfair to expect him 
to do that all the way. He he gets his points. Carson Edwards was getting 40 points a game in the tournament that year from five feet behind the three-point line. Jaden Ivey, by the end of the year, was shooting like 32% from three and getting all his buckets either from the free-throw line or right at the rim. And that's much harder to, to get 40 points a night that way. You get a guy that's shooting like Carson Edwards, yeah, that's, who was, that's exactly... Who was, the, who was the center with... Um, Just explain this to me. Who was the center with Carson Edwards? Matt Harms. And and what is Harms? Yeah. And Travian was the backup. Yeah. Uh, and what Harms, is Harms? Harms is 7'3". Yeah, but what can he and, do more? He can move more. Well, he can pick and roll more. He's quicker. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he gave you absolutely nothing offensively. No, and it, it didn't matter. Because you had Aside from a putback. It didn't right. matter because you had your guard scoring. And that's what I'm saying is, like, we did well, right. had... <laughs> But That's what I'm saying because you had Carson Edwards. You would, like I'm saying, you if if, the, if we had a shooter like Carson Edwards, and Jaden Ivey is a great talent, but he's not Carson Edwards. It's a different type of talent. You would not be saying anything about Zach Eady because they would have made it to the Final Four. Guaranteed. Hey, I love Zach Eady. I love Zach Eady. I'm just saying – I, I'm dumb. <laughs> you better love Zach Eady. I do because he's gonna put up. He's gonna put up fifty early in the season next yeah, year. Yeah, dude, bring him back. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm jacked for him to be back. Let's go. No, hey, one more year of back to the basket, and then two years from now you get your wish. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then we'll see what happens in two years from now, and I'm gonna come at you for it. <laughs> somehow, somehow after. Alive in the off season after really nothing significant except for losing a recruit happens, we ended up with our longest live of the season so far. Well, so, that's because you let me stay on. Anytime I'm you. ever a part of any, anytime I'm a part of any kind of podcast, it ends up being the longest thing in history because I don't know how to shut the fuck up. No, I think it says that we are. Uh, there's still a lot of passion for Purdue basketball, Purdue sports in general, and it's pretty cool to be able to get a group together and have a nice group hug in the off season. And I hope we can do this again in, in a few weeks when maybe we know a little bit more about Purdue basketball and we're getting closer to football season. And um, uh, Does anyone else want to chime in? Yeah, before we get off here. Yeah, should we set up a trip to Maui in two years? Yes. I already said I was going to Hawaii <laughs> to go years. to the that we're already in a it. loaded tournament. The next what two you say, Audra, Everyone shut up. Audra's talking. <laughs> <laughs> I said, we're already on it. We're already planning this trip to Maui. Yes, let's go. Let's yeah. go. Let's start a GoFundMe and see if we can get Twitter to fund like all of our trips. We'll do a That's live. I'll just, I'll I'll just, I'll just, we'll do a Twitter space together. I'll just buy the tickets to the trip, and I just won't tell Jenny that Purdue basketball is involved, and I'll just surprise her when we get there. <laughs> hey, we're taking a romantic vacation. Oh, by the way, it's soldier. We're great. I tell you what, if I'm a if I'm a girlfriend or wife, that's the best vacation in the world. Hell yeah! If I get married the next year, what a honeymoon. Yeah. You you guys have a good night. I'm gonna jump off and eat some dinner, but uh, yeah. I appreciate some bull- bullshit and some Purdue basketball. Definitely looking forward to seeing what they do to fill out the rest of their roster, and then we'll we'll go from there. 
right. I'm, I'm sorry if I yelled at you, Gabby, you're but you know I love oh, you. Oh, well, we're good. I just yell at me. <laughs> Everyone else likes to. We're good. No, seeing the Rag. development of everybody stepping next year too will be interesting. You know, with the new pieces, that's what we got to look forward to too. You know, seeing what how Ethan Morton develops. That now we don't have to rely on you know, know Ivy getting his twenty shots guard. a game. <laughs> Not just the point guard, just everyone who develops better. Seeing Kaufman run, you know, a six eight four man again who can step out, who supposedly yeah. can step out. We haven't seen him play. You know, just just all that development, and to see the hunger that these guys all get their shot, and they're you know you don't have to kind of fall back to see what Brandon Newman can he oh, yeah I've I've get out of his shell. I've officially become a Mason Gillis Brandon Newman stand account. <laughs> I mean, I I love Gillis. I've always just said it. to me. I mean, his bulk is there, but at six six four man to me is just undersized. All right. Well, well, thank you, Braggs. Thank you, Audra, very much. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Jeffrey. Um, Gabby, do you have anything else that uh, you want to air out tonight before we before we close this one down? I'm good. All right. All right. Thanks, Boilers. I, I, I'm really surprised that we were able to go over an hour tonight uh, with not a whole lot to not a whole lot to talk about, but obviously there was. Um, again, we'll try and do this probably. I don't know, in several weeks when we've got a little bit more uh, to talk about um, and, and hopefully a little bit more of a preview before football season. Uh, hopefully Purdue baseball can keep winning a few games and keep it interesting down here, uh, down the stretch. Other than that, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, keep following us on, on behalf of Gabby and uh, Riles and Boiler Up Beer Down uh, media we, we we much appreciate you following us and, and coming and joining us tonight so uh have a great night yes boiler up thank you all for me and come defend me when the haters come <laughs> love uh, you all bye have a good night everybody go boilers <laughs>